from a leadership perspective for the DRPH, you are specifically there to be a leader. You're learning how to be a practitioner. You're learning how to do grant writing. You're learning how to manage a budget. You're learning about all of the different intricacies of a public health or running a public health agency. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Marissa Robinson, current vice president for the DRPH Coalition, and you're listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast. You're listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for all things public health and global health. From the Sustainable Development Goals to the social determinants of health, as well as interesting dialogues about the diverse career opportunities that exist in these fields. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so other people like you can benefit from our content. Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not necessarily represent any of the agencies or organizations we work for or are affiliated with. So so let's talk about that for a second. So why is there this historical sure. kind of gap of knowledge about the DRPH program? Like, why is it that it is PhDs or MDs and the DRPH degree has less of a spotlight shone on it? I mean, it's actually kind of crazy when you think about it because, I mean, obviously a PhD is a very old degree, MD is a very old degree, but the DRPH is over 100 years old. And the first one was at Harvard in like 1911. So this isn't new. This isn't something people made up like 20 years ago and we've just started doing. It's been along, around for a really long time. And I think there's a couple of things that like work against it in a way. I think the PhD's just been along, around for such a longer time that it tends to steal the show in people's minds when they think about a doctoral degree. And I don't know how many times I've said DRPH to people and they still are like, oh, how's your PhD going? And I'm like, that's not what I'm doing, but okay, sure. At some point, or just sort of like resigned to it. But always trying to advocate, obviously. But at yes. some point, you have to just be like, okay, yeah. And so, but I think the other thing is that it's so multifaceted. It's like when you think PhD, you think research, right? When you think DRPH, you can think tons of things, right? Epidemiology. Mm-hmm research, leadership, equity, health economics, policy, like there are tons of things. Everyone's experience and everyone's expertise is probably going to be different at the end when they come out of their program. And so I think it's just harder for people to nail down. At least that's my thoughts. Marissa, what about you? Yeah. And I think traditionally when you have positions like a chief medical officer or a health director or a public health analyst or a public health practitioner, you're thinking of a researcher or you're thinking of medicine because those are traditionally the two avenues that have been put in place for you to achieve leadership roles or for you to make those changes from a policy perspective. Because when you have folks that come and speak to Congress or speak to congressional leaders or policy leaders. They usually have those disciplines behind their names to be able to say, hey, this is the research we have, here is the data, and this is why you need to implicate X, Y, and Z. But they are missing a key point of the DRPH because the DRPH can bring not only what Lauren just said of policy medicine as well as the science, but can talk about the different public health infrastructures that might be lacking or talking about the systematic issues that are causing these disparities. And from a public health perspective and lens, that's a specific niche that not everybody is gonna get in med school, that they're not gonna get at a PhD program. So, and I do see that a lot of 
our leaders that are coming in this last five to 10 years, a lot of them do have a master's of public health, which is definitely a step in the right direction, right? Because we want our leaders to have the, the discipline of public health and some of those epidemiology and some of the statistical analyses and backing of biostatistics of knowing, do I need to do a statistical analysis or do I need to come from this from a qualitative standpoint to really get and understand the how and the why something is happening? And so the public health practitioners can bring that to the forefront. And traditionally, I think from a larger standpoint, the DRPH is something that not a lot of people have pursued. And so there are folks that have a DRPH, but not a lot of them are in the DRPH coalition. So one, we are always looking for new members and we are always encouraging <laughs> folks that are pursuing a terminal degree in public health to consider the DRPH because the PhD route or the MD route is not the only way that you can get a DRPH. But thinking about all of the different ways that you can make a difference you can do that without a DRPH. But if you are pursuing the DRPH, we wanna hear from you and we wanna make sure that the coalition is a space where it's not just an old boys club, if you will. Like we're always trying to think of our members and try to think of new ways to be engaging, innovative, and making sure that the voices of those that aren't always heard are also a part of the conversation and at the table. And I think from a public health perspective, that is what the field of public health has always tried to do. But a lot of times public health funding is the first one to get cut. Medical funding, usually always there. Science funding for research, data, all of that's always usually there. But public health, when it's helping folks and breaking down systemic barriers, that's usually the funding that always gets cut. Yeah, and I would say, so LaShawn and I, a few weeks ago, maybe months ago, we actually came across mm -hmm. an article, let me pull it up here, where it says, want to fix public health, stop thinking like a doctor. Not sure if either of you had a chance to read it, but it was very, wow. right, it was a very interesting mm -hmm. title, and it was a very interesting arguments that they brought forth, much like what you're doing mm -hmm. now. Now, if mm -hmm. it, it's clear that there are differences, and you've both yes. made that clear in the yes. outcome and why someone might need one versus the other. But it, the program itself, could you share some of what things you would consider similar with the thesis, dissertation mm. type thing, and maybe where mm -hmm. does the two degrees start to diverge a little bit? Sure. Lauren, yeah. do you want to start? Yeah, I can go first. And I'm going to say up front, I think the good thing and sometimes the bad thing about this is that you're going to probably hear different things from me and Marissa mm -hmm. about our programs because the programs do things a little right, different right. sometimes. So the PhD in my, in my brain, the similarities, you do have to do a dissertation for some reason in my program. And I don't know if this is a, a, a CEF thing or if it's like a just me, but they call it an integrated learning experience, which I don't really know why they call it that, but it's a dissertation. We have to write a big paper and they encourage it to be more practice based. So like I, you know, I don't have to do my own research in the traditional sense. Like I don't have to, if I don't want to, I don't have to go out and gather my own data and like do all that mm -hmm. stuff. I will be, but I don't have to, I could have used secondary sources and they also want it to be more practice based in the real world, which obviously can have its issues. So that's, I, I mean, I think Besides that, that's probably one of the biggest things. I think another like big tenet of the PhD is like having that faculty mentor. Mm -hmm. 
And I think this is also program specific. Some programs like probably do match you at the beginning. I know for my program, they gave us a faculty mentor that just gave you advice and just said, hey, how you doing? What's going on? It didn't mean that person was going to be your dissertation chair. It didn't mean that person was going to help you do your dissertation or anything like that. That person was really just to be a source of support and a resource. My ended up being, and she is now my dissertation chair because we just found a really great relationship. But that wasn't, I don't think, the thought. And that's unheard of in a PhD. You're matched at the beginning and you're with that person the entire time. You're helping them with their research. You're doing that kind of stuff. So it's a different thing. The DRPH for my program, it's three years if you go full-time. It's four years if you go part-time. So the first two years are classes, which I think is pretty similar to a PhD. And then the last year is a is your dissertation. And you do have to do an internship, which I don't think PhDs do. So for us, it was 300 hours, which when you're working full-time, going to school full-time, and then they tack on the fun little internship can be a little bit of a crazy semester or two but is really great for getting some of that hands-on experience. So they can be a little bit shorter. I mean, PhDs, you're talking four to six plus years. So it can be a little bit, a little bit longer of a commitment. I think another thing to really consider, and we can get into this more, is the funding. Because PhD, mm. for the most part, they're going to be funded. A, a, a DRPH is probably not going to be funded. There's very few programs that have funding in place the way a PhD does. You can find scholarships. You can find things like that to help. We get, we'll talk about this when we get down to talking more about the programs. But some of them are more cost-effective than others. And so that's something to keep in mind when you're doing, when you're looking at programs. Marissa? Yeah, so I'd, I'd like to start with some of the differences. Obviously, with a DRPH, you can work full-time. With a PhD, you cannot at all, Mm -mm. period, period. You are there for school. You are there to be in the lab and provide whatever research experience that you can. With a PhD, you also have to do something called a postdoc, which is right after you graduate, you then have basically like a fellowship kind of experience where you're like a trainee or you're a fellow in or a postdoc in somebody's either public health, school public health, school medicine, if you're going into academia. And most PhD programs that have a postdoc are going into academia, so you would start to teach classes. Usually when you are also a PhD student, you are a TA of some sort for the master's students or students that are in undergrad. So that is a completely different experience for the DRPH. For the DRPH, you are either working, mostly folks are working Mm full-time. So you are either uh, doing both full-time, which I did my DRPH full-time and working full-time because I'm insane (laughs) and that's not the norm. But there are a lot of folks that are doing their DRPH program part-time and are working full-time. And you got to think of, for PhDs, most of those folks are coming straight out of undergrad. So they're coming either from a master's program or they're coming from undergrad. And so they are going for four to up to seven years to do this PhD program. So they have never had any, for the most part, traditionally they have never had any work experience. Whereas for a DRPH, you have to have some sort of work experience in order to get into the program itself. Then when we're talking about curriculum, most DRPH programs can be online and hybrid. You have some programs that do require you to be in person. Sometimes like for Lauren and 
and others, they might not have to go on campus at all, but you have some programs where they will require you to come at least once a for a week in the summer and then in the fall or like the winter for like an institute. Mm -hmm. So you get to be with professors, you get to be with your cohort members. And for a PhD program, the cohort is a little bit bigger than for a DRPH program. A DRPH program cohort might be three or four or up to seven. For a PhD, you could have, you know, seven to 12 individuals. So it's a little bit bigger in terms of your cohort members that are also happening to be in the program with you. And then from a leadership perspective for the DRPH, you are specifically there to be a leader. You're learning how to be a practitioner. You're learning how to do grant writing. You're learning how to manage a budget. You're learning about all of the different intricacies of a public health or running a public health agency. And you don't necessarily have to do a quote unquote postdoc or a post DRPH experience. You have something called the practicum. So you are working full time during this experience. So you need to be doing something other than your job for that three month period to learn how to do project management or develop a grant or help manage a budget and do some of those big pieces that are key in public health. And um, lastly, for the differences, I think from the DRPH perspective, a lot of folks that are pursuing the degree are mid-career folks. So they Mm -hmm. are folks who have had a master's in public health, have had five to 10 to 15 years of experience and are like, you know what, I want to be in leadership because some, from a leadership perspective, some leadership positions that like to be an executive director or to be a director of public health or a chief medical officer or a CEO or whatever, you have to have that terminal degree. And so some of those requirements require you to have a doctorate of some sort, whether it's a medical doctorate, a a, a medicine degree, I don't know what I just said, a PhD (laughs) or a DRPH to get into those positions. A lot of DRPHers are pursuing those positions of leadership, so they want to get the DRPH. And they've experienced what I said in, in my sentiments earlier of those glass ceilings and those barriers. So I think that's a lot of the reason why people also pursue the DRPH, whereas a PhD, people are pursuing the PhD because they need funding, they need research dollars, they want to be in academia, or they want to be in a research type field. Mm-hmm. So those are some of those differences there. In terms of my program, at Morgan, we at, when I first started, they had different tracks that you could be on. You could be on the epidemiology track. You could be on the health policy and management track. You can be on the environmental health track. You can be on the social and behavior scientist track. And then as I was going through the program, they did away with the tracks because from ASPPH or the Association of Schools of Public Health, they have certain requirements and credentials that you have to get in order to get your degrees. Mm -hmm. So you have to have certain competencies and able to say, I am a expert in public health, Mm -hmm. or I am a subject matter expert in epidemiology or biostats or health policy or whatever. And so what Lauren just talked about in her candidacy is in the DRPH, you have to have a candidacy exam or a comp exam a competency exam to make sure listen 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 but it's okay because there are study guides there are study guides out there and you're not alone you're not alone (laughs) and a lot of times if you only focus on what the study guide says you will be fine 
And really, there's nothing that they're going to throw at you that you have not heard before, especially if you have a master's in public health. And if you're a certified public health practitioner or if you have your CIF or if you have your, your master's CIF, all of those questions are very similar to what you're going to get on a competency okay. exam. So all of it is very similar. And so for my program, it was four years for me. I did my program pretty fast. I did it full time as I was doing, as I was working. And I also took classes over the summer, whereas you didn't have to do that. You could have did it in the fall. And so I was on a somewhat of an accelerated track for myself. So, but you can get your DRPH within three years, but you can go up to 10, depending on if you're working full time and you're only doing part time. Some of these individuals are parents, right? They have whole families and kids that they're trying to raise and work full time and run a nonprofit. And we got we, the degree of public health is all about getting a bag, okay? We are getting bagged kind of people and we are entrepreneurial spirits. And so <laughs> we will find ways to get money on the side. But anyway, in my program, we had to do a practicum, like Lauren said. You do your first two years of, of classes, then you do your candidacy exams, then you go into pre-candidacy talking about your dissertation, and then you do your final defense of your dissertation, and then you go to graduation. And for me, it was a very traditional, you had to do a dissertation. There was no, oh, you could just do manuscripts, or you could just do a applied kind of interdisciplinary experience, but every program for the DRPH is different. And that is one of the beautiful things about the DRPH because most PhDs, you can't really veer from the PhD curriculum. It, mm. it, it is what it is. You're gonna get what you're gonna get no matter if you in the US or if you abroad. But for the DRPH, you could have a program like Lawrence that's an integrative learning experience. You could also have a DRPH program that makes you do a dissertation. Or you could have a program that's like, hey, you just need to publish three manuscripts and you can get out of here. Mm. So it really depends <laughs> on your school and what experiences you're bringing to the table, but also what are you looking for in the experience? Gordon, don't be discouraged <laughs> because there is a program for you and we're going to find yeah, you no. one because we are not leaving this podcast without you committing to getting your DRPH. Uh -oh. <laughs> I'm so, just playing. So no, but not no, really. No. Let's, keep the, let's keep the pressure on that for a second. Lauren, if someone's interested in pursuing a DRPH program, Program, what are some of those requirements they need to tick off in order to apply? Like, is there a statement of interest, minimum GPA? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely at least, you know, it depends on the program, three to five years of work experience. A lot of programs are eliminating the GRE requirement. So Gordon, yep. that's mm. that you would not have to probably do. A lot of people are deciding <laughs> that's not a requirement anymore. GPA, they care. I found that they care a lot more about your master's GPA, thank God, than they do about your undergrad GPA, <laughs> because I definitely did not graduate my undergrad with the best. So if you, they're very holistic, which I think is wonderful mm -hmm. because they mm -hmm. look at their, they look at your academic performance, but they look at your work experience. And if you, in your personal statement, Emphasis on the personal, really connect to what you're doing now and how this degree will take you to the next level. Yep. I think you will be successful in applying for yep. sure. Yep. Okay. And can I add that they yep. also have uh, different requirements for different programs. So like for my DRPH, I had to do an interview once I got accepted oh. into the program just to establish like, okay, are you who you say you yeah. are? Are you just, <laughs> are you like 
just finessing this program? Like, are you really a subject matter expert in certain ways? So some programs also do a interview component. And, you know, with COVID, we've done a lot of virtual things as well. So for some, it might be a virtual interview, but for some, it also is an in-person experience. So it really depends on the program. And like, if you're if you're global, then obviously it would be virtual. But if you are stateside, you would probably be expected to come in person to conduct your interview. So that's another thing to definitely think about when you're talking about this whole person perspective. And if you don't have three to five years experience, that's not to say like they won't accept you. But I would really emphasize that you really need to be passionate about this degree in order to pursue it. So don't just tick it off to check a box to say, oh, I want to get doctor in front of my name just to say that you're a doctor. Excellent. But you really want to be a subject matter expert. You want to be passionate about a certain area of research or a certain gap in the literature of mm. uh, health disparity or a um, disadvantaged or marginalized population in order to pursue this. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations, inspiring community action. If you enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. See you in the next one.